When it comes to investing, retirement, and legacy planning, the decisions you make today can greatly impact the quality of life for both you and your loved ones tomorrow. Good news. You found the Growing Your Wealth radio show with Brian Evans. Brian is the founder of Madrona Financial Services, and with his background as a CPA, he brings a unique perspective to the investment and financial planning world. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Thank you so much and welcome to Growing Your Wealth, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest insights you need to invest better, live better, retire better, and give better. My name's Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. How you doing today, Brian? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that. I hope our listeners are doing well today, too. Another good show lined up for us here on Growing Your Wealth. Primarily today, Brian, we're going to be talking about health care. And in particular, we'll talk about Medicare, the cost of Medicare premiums. We'll also cover who is long-term care insurance best suited for and Medicaid. But let's start off with Medicare. Brian, a lot of people have heard about Medicare. You get it when you're age 65 and it is automatic for Part A. But for those people who do not know exactly what Medicare is and what it covers, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I wanted to spend a little bit of time on this. You know, we talk about a lot of topics on this show and I've explained to people because they'll ask, well, is that like a, a Dave Ramsey show? Is it a Susie Orman type show? What, <laughs> what is it annuity sales program? Uh, what, what kind of show do you have? And I said, well, it's kind of like if you look at a Dave Ramsey and a Susie Orman, those folks, it, it, that's kind of a 101 class. And I call ourselves either a 401, you know, for those of you who went to college or, mm-hmm. or a graduate level kind of class. We're, we're more of the graduate level where that next, you know, certainly uh, several steps above that as far as the topics we're selecting to talk about. But every so often we need to go back to the basics. Right. So I thought I'd spend a little bit of time today with some of the basics and and Medicare is certainly one of those things that a lot of people understand to some degree. I think most people understand that Medicare is the health insurance that you can get on that is government funded or sponsored and that it kicks in at age 65. Certainly with anything, there's lots of nuances to the cost of it, to what it covers. There's lots of different parts to it. So that's where people might go, yeah, I kind of know about Medicare, but I get a little confused about the different coverages and so forth. So maybe we could enlighten uh, people just a bit today on this show. Right. You know, Medicare is deeply subsidized by the federal government. It is very good insurance. And whether you are a high net worth individual or not, you're going to be eligible for Medicare and pretty much everybody that I know takes advantage of Medicare when they become age 65. Even if you do have private health insurance when you become Medicare age, Medicare becomes your primary insurer. So Medicare Part A is a plan that covers people 65 and older and uh, younger people who meet specific eligibility standards. So Brian, is there any cost to Medicare Part A? Uh, Medicare Part A is free. Uh, Actually, if the insured or their spouse has contributed to Medicare for at least 10 years. So not everybody is eligible. So again, as I mentioned, there's always going to be nuances and exceptions to the general rules and all of that. And we're probably not going to get into all of those on this uh, segment on the radio show. But uh, Medicare Part A covers hospital costs, and it is free. So anybody age 65 that has, again, them or their spouses paid in to the system for 10 years is eligible for Medicare Part A, and that one is free. And that is a big distinction that I think people need to realize is that Part A covers hospital costs. It does not cover the doctor's office visits. 
If you're in a hospital, it's going to pay for that. But, you know, when you go to the doctor, you do need one of the supplemental plans. And most people actually get Part B. Part B is something that you've got to take, and there is a premium for that. Yes, Part B is really what I would consider more the health insurance we're, we're generally thinking about when we think of it. Covers doctor's visits. So that's, you know, most of us go to the doctor a lot more than we go to the hospital. And so Part B is, is uh, what a lot of us would generally think of as uh, health insurance coverage. So uh, Medicare Part A and Part B combined, hospital and doctors, that's, that's, you know, a big majority of what somebody would spend on it. But yeah, Part B is not free. And we're going to talk about other parts added to that. But Part B is the basic Medicare that is something you do have to pay for. So Part A becomes automatic when you turn 65. You'll get your Medicare card a couple of months before you do turn age 65. And let's say that, for example, Brian, your birthday is later on in the month in December. At the beginning of December is when you're eligible or when your Medicare Part A kicks in. Part B is a supplemental plan. You can sign up for that three months before you turn 65, the month that you are 65, and three months after. So you have seven months in total to sign up for that. Part B, though, is one of those things that there is a premium for. And if you do not sign up for Part B, I understand that there is an ongoing penalty. Yeah, you have to be careful about that. I've had a lot of people say, well, I already have, you know, I'm still working and I'm covered under another health insurance plan, so I'm not going to sign up for that. And I said, well, I want to rethink that strategy because, yeah, there are penalties involved. And again, I can't get into all the nuances on this show today, but I would highly encourage you when you're talking to your Medicare uh, specialist, uh, Medicare supplement specialist, something like that, that you have this conversation before you turn 65, certainly at least three months before you turn 65. So you're educated on what that penalty might be if you thought, well, I'm not going to take it because I don't want to pay anything into it. Remember, as, as Jeff, as you mentioned earlier, this is a highly supplemented program. You're getting a deep discount on what medical insurance would cost. It probably is to your benefit to consider taking that, even if you have health insurance elsewhere. So Part B covers your doctor's office visits. Many times it doesn't cover a lot in terms of things like vision and prescription drugs, that sort of thing. They say it is optional, but it is mandatory. As you said, if you do not take it, there's going to be a penalty on the premium that you pay for the rest of your life. So as we said, Brian, I mean, if you don't take Part B, there is going to be a penalty for that. The premiums uh, generally under about $200 unless you make more than, oh, let's say $150,000 a year, then the premiums go up a little bit. But all in all, it is a pretty good insurance plan for the money that you pay. Now, beyond Part B, there are other Medicare supplements uh, such as C, D, etc. What's Part C all about? Yeah, Part C is, uh, you can be called either the Medicare Advantage or Medicare Supplement. So that is a private insurance policy that is optional but uh, generally speaking, you definitely want to get one of these because, again, this, they're highly subsidized. Now, what these can cover are many medical expenses not covered by Parts A and B, including deductibles. And so, you know, I won't get into the, all the nuances, Medicare Advantage versus Medicare Supplement. Generally speaking, uh, Medicare Advantage is kind of an all-in-one kind of thing you sign up for. Uh, think of more like an HMO, I think you, you would consider. Medicare Supplement is more of an a la carte way of, of getting your health insurance coverage. 
And then you, when you get into the Medicare supplements, you've got all these different plans that you can pick from. And, and so we got different parts, and then we got different plans. And so in Medicare supplements, you can pick plan A, plan B, plan C. There's all these different plans that have different coverages and different costs associated with them. Now, you did mention that uh, there is a, a cost to this, which there is. And when your income goes up, uh, didn't used to be the case, but anymore, that cost can, can go up substantially. I mean, it could be 100 200% more than it is for your neighbor that maybe doesn't have the same income level as you. And for these Advantage plans, too, I mean, during the open enrollment period in the fall and through, uh, you know, the end of the year, you will often see many commercials on TV for all these Advantage plans. And there are many of them out there to choose from. They range from zero premium to uh, some, you know, but still the uh, premiums are really not that that much. I mean, some of them $24, $25, something like that. And people have probably noticed that during open enrollment period around October through the end of the year, you will see commercials all over every media for these Advantage plans. So there are a lot of them to pick from out there. Brian, let's talk a little bit about the cost of these Advantage plans. There are free ones, but then there are those that do cost a little. Yeah, so again, you got these different plans you can pick from. Some will cover uh, if you travel overseas and some won't or, you know, they cover different things. So, you know, as I look at it, there's it used to be, I'd say, well, plan F is the one that, that covers the most. And, and it does. And if you have it, keep it, you know, I would say. But when I become eligible someday, I won't have that option. They're they're doing away with it for new, new folks. And so plan G would be the next one on the list that had the most coverage coverage of the most stuff. So it's kind of like I, I think of the analogy, if, I, if I'm if i going to a steakhouse and uh, generally their steaks are 80 bucks, mm-hmm. um, and maybe I wouldn't buy the $80 one, I'd buy the $30 one, but now they're subsidizing them and the most expensive steak is 20 bucks. I'm going to buy the most expensive steak. Yeah, I'm not going to buy the $10 one. <laughs> I'm going to buy the $20 one because it's so subsidized. I might as well get the best one you have because mm-hmm. it's cheap. And so you might kind of look at Medicare that way. I never thought I'd med- uh, compare Medicare to steak <laughs> dinners, but I just did. And that just happened. So, but uh, yeah, so you, you consider buying uh, the more expensive ones because they aren't that much more expensive, especially as you compare them to private insurance. And once again, these Medicare Advantage plans are totally optional. You've got to decide what is the right plan for you or if one of these plans is even right for you at all. If you do not pick a uh, Medicare Advantage plan and you still need prescription drug coverage, there is also Part D as in drug. Yeah, yeah, you got Part D uh, to cover your prescription drugs. And and, uh, so, you know, we started out saying, well, Medicare is pretty simple. You turn 65, you know, (laughs) government covers, covers your stuff. And then we were like, oh, Part A, Part B, Part C. Part D, uh, D you know, advantage or supplement. Oh, then you have all the different plans to pick from from that. Oh, and my cost, how much is that? Oh, it depends. How much do you make? How much do your mm-hmm. neighbor make? You know, if it's different, you're going to pay different amounts. So, yeah, we start adding all this up, and it can get a little bit more complicated. Oh, Jeff mentioned a penalty if I don't start it in right. time and all this stuff. So there is a lot to this. I don't want to brush over that at all. But generally speaking, you know, just stay ahead of this. Uh, get into this when you're maybe 64. You know, some people have to think about it beforehand because they might retire at 63 and they go, okay, what are we going to do till we get to 65? And we can apply for Medicare. Or uh, again, be careful if you're still working and you go, oh, I'm not going to bother with that. You might want to reconsider. And keep in mind, too, that if you don't take one of the supplements, you know, Part D, C, whatever it happens to be, you do get an Advantage plan. It's easy to go that direction. 
But if you have an Advantage plan and then you want to stop that and go back to one of the supplements, you could need to be underwritten. So that is something that is very important to consider. We're talking about Medicare here on Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Once again, if you're listening to this program and you like what we have heard and you're interested in a complimentary financial review, which might lead to a plan, you have $500,000 or more to invest. You're looking to hire a new financial advisor. Contact us here at Madrona Financial. 844-MADRONA is the number to call. 844-MADRONA. You can also request your plan online at madronafinancial.com. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth. We'll be right back with more of our show after this. You can't build a house with just one tool, and you can't plan for retirement without an integrated, comprehensive strategy. If you want to get more information on the Madrona Bundle of Services, call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now, back to more of Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about the cost of Medicare premiums. And Brian, personal experience here, I have just turned the age of uh, being eligible for Medicare. So I've got Part A. And as I said, I did sign up for Part B. And there is a premium for that. Generally, it is under $200 a month. But instead of getting other supplements such as C and D, the drug card, I did choose an Advantage plan for the time being. And that being because I am healthy. That's a very important thing to remember. And, you know, when you get ready to make these decisions, there's so many of these plans out there. How do you make the right decision? If you've got an insurance broker or someone that specializes in this, you simply tell them the medications that you take, what your particular situations are, and they'll spit out about 10 different options of uh, Medicare Advantage plans. And then you go down the list and pick which is the right one for you. Many of them are at no cost to you. But personally for myself, I did pick one that was at no cost, but I found out that it didn't have enough dental coverage or it didn't have any vision coverage. So I went down and picked the next one, which was uh, under $30 a month and it gave me all those things. So there are a lot of uh, options when it comes to picking uh, Medicare Advantage plans and uh, figuring out the amount of money that you're going to be paying in Medicare premiums. As we said, Brian, Part A is uh, free, but there is a cost to the supplements. Yeah, certainly the, the cost of the supplements, uh, as you mentioned, is generally under $200. However, it can be much higher depending on your taxable income. A lot of people are getting surprised by that because that didn't used to be the case. And so now they're, they're thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to spend 200 bucks. But when we do financial plans for folks, we need to take a look at that because we've, in the last few years, uh, integrated a whole different section of expenses on our plan. So the main section is, okay, how much do you spend on living, you know, mortgages and, and, and so forth. But now we have a separate category for just deductibles or supplement for Medicare and, and, and so forth that we add as a separate expense. And we have the inflation attached to that because we need to anticipate that, yeah, you're going to have, you might have a big expenditure. Now, if the person we're doing the plan for has higher income, now that expenditure is no longer $200 a month. Maybe it's $500 right, or, right. or whatever. And that, that can make a big difference to somebody, especially when you compound that over 30 years with inflation thrown in times two people, mm-hmm. you start having a, a major outflow. So that's, that's another consideration in our financial plan. 
And as we said, Brian, Medicare, most people, you've got to be 65 to get it. However, there are circumstances in which you can get Medicare when you're not 65. Yeah, certainly uh, if you have disabilities and so forth, uh, then you can get it at a much younger age. Uh, most of the people what we're dealing with you know, are retirement age, normal Medicare and that kind of thing at age 65. Now, you were mentioning the, during the break, though, Jeff, about uh, qualifying and moving from one type of plan to another. Could you uh, expand on that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, As I said, because I am healthy, because I have relatively good health and I anticipate that I have good health, the Advantage plan was the way to go for me because you can easily choose an Advantage plan. That is very, very simple. You simply sign up for the plan that is right for you. But if at some point in time, maybe your health changes and maybe an Advantage plan isn't right for you and you want to go back to a supplement, a Medicare supplement plan, it many times can be difficult to do that because they will Will want to underwrite you. Whereas in the beginning, if you'd just chosen the supplement plan, you didn't need to be underwritten. So, you know, that's a very big consideration. But for my case, it seemed to be the right thing to do. Yeah, that's a good point. Because again, uh, it's automatic. If you're 65, you sign up, uh, you get the plan. After that, let's say you put it off, you go, well, I'm not going to sign up for it. As I mentioned previously, if I'm not going to sign up for it. I have really good health insurance. and I don't want to pay any amounts. Well, besides penalties and so forth, you might be penalized. Well, let's say you have a health event and you go, okay, I'm going to go get that uh, supplement policy. And like, oh, uh, they're not going to underwrite you because you didn't get the automatic at 65. You you were at 67 and you had a health event. And so that can be a problem. So there are some nuances here to consider when selecting Medicare supplement versus Medicare Advantage. And Brian, let's talk more about how you pay for these uh, Medicare supplements and so forth. I mean, if you're not receiving Social Security, you will receive a bill in the mail. Yeah, let's say uh, my best buddy lives in Canada. Let's say he moved down here and uh, he's signing up for it and Part A, uh, he heard was free, so he moved down here for that reason. He wouldn't. He owns hotels. I don't think he cares about that. But uh, if he hasn't been paying into it, he isn't receiving Social Security, then it's going to cost him about $500 a month, and the deductible for hospital stay is around $1,600. So it's free for you and I. We've been paying into it. It would not be free for him. That's exactly right. And as I said, you know, if you have reached 65, but you're not yet taking Social Security, you will get a bill in the mail for these Part B premiums. And in the beginning, they will bill you for about three months. And then thereafter, until you take Social Security, they'll bill you for a couple months at a time. So you may be getting a bill for three, four, five hundred dollars every couple of months. It could be more. It depends upon your income. But if you are taking Social Security, Brian, I understand that it is simply taken out of your Social Security. Check. Yeah, yeah, they'll just take your Medicare Part B premiums out of your Social Security check. And again, as we mentioned, it's something under 200 bucks for many people, for most people. But for most of my clients, it's going to be well in excess of $200. So just something to consider. And, and you know, fairness, not fairness. I mean, certainly people that make more money can afford to pay more in premiums. And I know a lot of people complain about that. And I, I understand, they're, they're, you know, I've been paying into it my whole life. And now mm-hmm. I'm getting jacked up on, on my premiums. And then I look at how much I pay for my employees for health 
insurance. I'm like, well, you're getting off pretty easy compared to me because uh, health insurance is very expensive to uh, anymore for really good coverage. And that's why I encourage people to load up on what they can, the best uh, Medicare, Medicare supplements they can, especially at age 65 where it's automatic because regardless of how much you pay, you're still paying it at, in at a discount. Yeah, and count those days. I mean, circle them on your calendar until you're age 65 because if you are paying for health care coverage on your own, it is quite expensive, can be easily over $1,000 a month. That is a big bonus when you're able to take advantage of uh, Medicare. It is a great insurance program. We're talking about Medicare premiums with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Brian, can you give me an example of someone who may have been surprised by their Medicare costs? Yeah. So I mentioned if your income is high uh, in retirement, uh, you know, of course, you can afford more and they're going to charge you a lot more. They could charge you up to $600 a, a month for a Medicare supplement policy if your income is very high. And uh, that is a lot. Okay. Uh, it's still subsidized, as I mentioned. But let me give you an example. Something happened recently and I really had to scratch my head. But the way the, the rules are written, there was this person that uh, she was living on Social Security and she had a house with a mortgage and a, a small house, and she had a very small, older rental uh, on the peninsula. And um, she wasn't making much cash flow from it. It was in disrepair, and she was just getting by. Again, just living on Social Security, had no other assets. So uh, she was having the minimum charge taken out of her Social Security checks and clipping coupons, the whole thing to get by. Well, then she sold that rental house, uh, not for a lot of money, uh, but, you know, it was it was six figures. And uh, she took that money and paid off her mortgage with it. She didn't really have any extra money left over after that. Well, then she got a notice from Social Security Administration saying that her Medicare supplement was no longer 100-something. It was now 500 or something in that nature, which was virtually all of her Social Security check. So she was looking at that going, wait a second here. I live in poverty. I clip coupons. I barely make it. I live in this tiny little house I was able to pay off, but I'm going to have to pay almost all of my Social Security next year back to the government for Medicare supplement. And that was the case. They don't make an exception for that. Yes, your income showed on your tax return. It was high, even though it was a, a strange once-in-one-time thing and all, all you did with the proceeds was pay off your mortgage so that, you know, you... At least she doesn't have that to pay anymore. But this was pretty a devastating uh, turn of events for this person. She didn't see that one coming. And when I heard about it, I was like, oh, isn't there an exception to that? And I looked into it and I was like, no, there isn't. So uh, just something to consider. If you have a taxable event in a given year, uh, let's say that you have two taxable events possible, you might consider putting them in the same year, depending on your brackets and if it's all capital gains and, and all of that uh, for Medicare supplement costs purposes, but uh, certainly uh, that's generally not a good idea. You usually want to spread your income out. So just knowing what your supplements are going to cost you relative to your taxable events, your taxable income and so forth can be important. Brian, for the listeners of this program and clients of Madrona Financial Services, do you help people when they turn 65 to choose the right Medicare plans for them and supplements? Yeah, with a you know we we do a lot of things for our clients and and I would defer this to a Medicare specialist because it's such a big area that uh, I think it'd be a disservice you know I, I spent we spent so much time on these again as I mentioned our, our shows about graduate levels kind of.
kind of stuff. And uh, this is more the 101 stuff. And uh, I could spend my time you know, getting to know all of this or doing what we do with the, the CPA side and everything else. So I've elected to go for the higher end uh, kind of consulting and the firm is going that direction too, of course. But this this does, this does is part of your financial plan and we need to know that these uh, items are addressed. And so we will talk in general about this, but we don't sell the Medicare supplements. They're easy to buy from many different sources, whether it's AARP or, or your trade associations or through your uh, health insurance provider, whatever. There's um, tons of places you can get Medicare, and, and they're, you're basically buying the same plan from all of them, and the, there's not a lot of difference. The, the biggest difference is the consultant you get. So I would encourage you to find somebody that specializes in this for this purpose and meet with them certainly before you turn 65. And it can appear to be quite complicated, but when you put it in somebody else's hands and you really look at it, it's not as complicated as it seems but you still need a little guidance. You're listening to Brian Ovens of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs when we've been talking about Medicare and how to pay for Medicare coverage. Once again, if you have $500,000 or more to invest, you're looking to hire a new financial advisor and you would like a complimentary, no cost, no obligation financial review, call 844-MADRONA. That's 844-MADRONA to ask for your financial review. You can also find out more about the firm and ask for your review online at madronafinancial.com. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth. We'll be right back with more of our show after this. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about long-term care insurance and who is it best suited for. That's right, Brian. And I think a lot of people underestimate their need for long-term care. They think, well, I'm pretty healthy. You know, I got no problems at all. I'm never going to need long-term care. I'll just wait until I need it. How many times have you heard something like that? Well, yeah. I mean, this is not a fun topic either. And But I deal in the world of not fun topics because, <laughs> you know, as a CPA, financial advisor, let's see, uh, only an estate planner, the only thing sure in life are death and taxes. Right. Well, I do estate planning. I talk about, well, when you pass away and I talk about taxes all the time. Right. Uh, two things that uh, I'd rather, can I just go next door and get my teeth pulled by the <laughs> dentist instead? Because you're not as much fun as my dentist. And I'm right. like, yeah, I'm aware of that. Okay. Now we get to talk about long-term care. Uh, when, when you can't uh, take care of yourself. All fun topics, right? Well, they're topics we need to address because we're mortals and, and we don't want to burden people. You know, Most of us, of course, don't want to burden other people financially or with their you know their efforts and so forth. I sure don't want my boys uh, changing my depends someday. Mm-hmm. So I got to think about this stuff, you know, and, and the reason I got to think about it is because of some of the statistics out there. An estimated 70% of people need some form of long-term care. Well, that might be a month. It might be 10 years. Well, one in five people need it for longer than five years, according to the statistic I brought up. Regardless of whether that's perfectly accurate or not, I think it's fair to say that long-term care, especially in this generation, is a very important topic because we all know somebody that needed long-term care, and we all know that people don't spend a lot of time planning for that. We're hoping for the best. You know, how many guys do you know? I hope I get hit by a lightning bolt on the 18th green after I sink a, you know, a, mm-hmm. a birdie putt and I don't have to go through a, you know, a long-term care facility. But that's just not reality for a lot of us. So it's a discussion I, I wanted to have and, and talk about.
talk about who's it for and who's it not for. And more and more people are needing long-term care, and that's due to the fact that people are living a lot longer, and that's due to the fact that we, you know, we have such good nutrition, we have good medication, we have good education. So, I mean, if you reach uh, 80, 90 years of age, uh, there is a very, very good chance, I would say probably even more than 70%, that you're going to need some form of long-term care, whether that is an extended stay facility, whether it's assisted living, whether it's at home, you're going to be needing to pay for long-term care. And speaking of paying for that, Brian, long-term care uh, is not inexpensive, is it? Yeah, I mean, I started this with saying, well, who needs long-term care? Well, at this point, listening to this, you might go, well, I think everybody needs it, right? Right. Well, yeah, but who should buy it? Because not everybody should buy it. Because sometimes the cost of it is too much. And, well, I can either spend money on long-term care and go broke and have to go into Medicaid anyway, or I can take my chances. So, you know, a lot of people, or most people are going to take their chances because uh, they don't want the sure thing of going broke for, versus a chance that they won't go broke. And so there, there's that a- aspect of it. And there's basically two ways to buy long-term care. You can pay a, a monthly or you can do uh, an asset-based plan where you come up with a bunch of money all at once, one-time kind of pay-in. Now, the monthly ones, they're a little tricky because the longer you wait to apply for it, the, the higher that premium is going to be. And so, and you don't want to usually do it too early in life because then you'll be paying premiums for decades that you're not really getting anything for. The other thing about monthly payments is that not only do you have to qualify medically, but uh, they can increase those payments on you over the years. And uh, you want to make sure you're, you're with a really strong insurance company and you've read all the, you know, you're going to sign this contract that has a lot of nuances about what is the definition of long-term care? When can you apply for it? How much will they cover? What's the inflation built into it? Uh, how much can the premiums go up? There's a lot to that. And as I said, it is expensive to be in long-term care. I mean, full nursing care in some of the more, you know, uh, outlying areas of the country can be $7,000 a month, but in the big cities, it can be ten dollars to $12,000 a month. So certainly some sort of long-term care insurance is necessary. I think you pretty much covered the reasons why you would not want to get long-term care insurance because it's, a, it's just very expensive. Yeah, I mean, so there's a, a group of people that, you know, I'll go broke paying for this. And then there's a, there's a second second group, and then I'll talk about a third group. A second group of people say, well, okay, you just said 10000 a month. All right, it's 120 grand a year. And so, and that's assuming, let's say I was in long-term care for five years and, uh, you know, X amount of money, that's $600,000 or whatever it is. And, and you go, well, my portfolio is $5 million. Right. It's $10 million. Do I really need to buy long-term care? No, I'll just self-fund it. I'm fine. If if I need it, I'll pay for it because I was going to spend that much on my lifestyle anyway. That was in my plan. I was going to travel the world. I was going to go on trips and ski trips and, and Viking cruises and, and do all this fun stuff. And that was going to be uh, 15000 a month. But instead, I'm going to be in a nursing home facility and I'm going to be paying about the same amount of money. Because I won't be doing those other things instead. So I'm going to be, I'm in the same place financially. Why do I really need long term care insurance? I've got the assets to cover it. So that's the second group. Now, the third group is somewhere in between. And those are the folks that really want to look at it because they might be able to afford it without going broke. 
and they have assets to protect that they don't want to run out in case they have a longer-term, long-term care uh, situation. But, Brian, I mean, you, you talked about it costing maybe for uh, five years $600,000. I mean, if you have the choice of paying for long-term care insurance that pays for that or you paying the $600,000, I mean, to me, that would be a no-brainer. I think I'd rather pay the premiums. I wouldn't think the premiums are going to be $600,000. No, they're not. But the nuance there is that I haven't seen any long-term care uh, policies issued that would actually cover the full cost of long-term care. They're meant to take the sting out of it. Okay. So most long-term care policies, let's say, okay, it's going to be 10000 a month. Well, what if I pay a big premium? How much will you cover? Oh, four grand, five grand, six grand, whatever. Uh, well, that's not the whole cost of it. So it's not like normal insurance. Mm-hmm. It's meant to take the sting out. And you go, well, what's the point of that? Well, the point might be, let's say it was, let's say you were planning on it costing 10000 and you had a policy that covered 4000 Well, maybe between your Social Security, your interest and dividend and rental income from your your portfolio and so forth, you were making 6000 a month. And you, if you had 4000 coming from long-term care, you would have enough to cover your long-term care. So it, it's, a, it's another uh, source of funds to cover long-term care on top of your Social Security and your other income sources. So it, it's blended in with, with your entire financial plan to get enough long-term care uh, you know, insurance coverage to bridge the gap in case you need it. And and so I'll, I'll talk in a second about the asset-based plans, but this is kind of where the it's you know it's a, a art not a science because uh, we don't even know if you're going to need it as to whether you get it. And that was a good way to put it, Brian, is that you're simply taking the sting out of paying for long-term care. You mentioned asset-based plans. Let's talk about that. So you might go, well, I'm a healthy male, and if you know, maybe I will get struck by lightning on the 18th hole, and that, that you know, that's a great way to go. Okay, whatever. But let's say that you're just thinking about, gosh, if I pay monthly, that's a lot of money that I could be having fun with for during all the years that I feel good that I'm just going to lose someday. I, I really don't feel like doing that. Tell me about that asset-based plan. So the asset-based plan is where you write a big check. It could be 100000 150000 200000 and it's a one-time kind of thing. Now, that sounds like a big sting right there. It's like, well, maybe I'd rather take my chances. But in this case, many of these asset-based plans, if you don't use the long-term care, your heirs can receive much or all of your initial premium back with no interest, but the interest is was the coverage, essentially, of, of your long-term care. And so that's kind of a neat thing for people that have a, you know, a decent asset base that they can say, well, I can afford to take 200000 out of that asset base and know that I have a good measure of long-term care coverage with inflation riders and all of that. And if I don't need it, which I hope I don't, if I don't need it, my kids are going to get the 200000 So why wouldn't I do that? So asset-based plans can be a very effective tool if you're financially able to do them. We're talking about long-term care and how to pay for it with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And Brian, it occurs to me that we really never exactly defined what is long-term care. Yeah, there's you know six activities that they they define and and maybe it kicks in with three of six that you can't do or or whatever the case may be different definitions two of six three of six four of six whatever it is and uh, I won't get too into those details but most of us don't go from feeling good you know I was golfing yesterday and then the next mm-hmm. day I found myself in a nursing home right 
Uh, that's it's usually a little more gradual than that. It can be that, you know, if you have an event, but it's usually more gradual than that. Maybe it starts out as, you know, I could use some help around the house a couple days a week right. or, or every day, uh, but I'm fine in my house if I could just get some. Maybe I need somebody to go shopping for me. Maybe I need somebody to cook for me. Maybe I need help getting out of the chair. You know, I don't know. Whatever it is. So it can be gradual, and so we want to consider that in this too because it doesn't just kick in because you know you can't go shopping you can't drive anymore oh i need i need long-term care well they're not going to pay you any money if that's the only thing you need help with and so uh you want to consider that can be gradual and so but you know certainly as as we we think about this topic and a lot of it's going to be based on your finances so we can all agree that it would be better to have long-term care coverage than not medicare is only going to cover me 100 days i'd rather not burden other people so i'd rather have it than not but at what cost can i qualify can i do i have the assets now somebody might say i have the assets but i can't i was told i can't take them out of my ira account to buy it well that's right you can't do it directly but you could take money out of your ira if you're 59 and a half pay some tax, have a strategy for that, and then do an asset-based plan. So there are ways to do that. So just some things to consider. And I wanted to bring up the topic because it is very important. It's not the fun topic, as we mentioned earlier. Generally, we aren't talking about the funnest topics, but it's life. And we need to talk about these. So I wanted to cover long-term care. And how do you know when you need long-term care or when a spouse or family member needs long-term care? Brian, you talked about the activities of daily living. And those would be things like getting into or out of bed or out of a chair. I mean, toilet hygiene, bathing, showering, getting dressed, personal hygiene, things like uh, eating, safety, emergency responses. Those are activities of daily living. And if you can't do two of six of those, more than likely you need long-term care. We've been talking about long-term care with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Once again, if you have $500,000 to invest, you're looking to hire a new financial advisor, or you do not have a financial plan, you can get a financial review by calling 844-MADRONA. That's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. You can also request your complimentary financial review with no cost and no obligation online at madronafinancial.com. We'll be right back with more of our show after this. Now, back to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about Medicaid. And Brian, Medicaid is something that we don't talk about a lot on this program because for most of our listeners, it really doesn't apply to them. But it is very good for people to have a working knowledge of what Medicaid is. We know about Medicare, but what is the difference between Medicare and Medicaid? Yeah, uh, Medicare is the uh, insurance, that health insurance that we all can get if we've paid into it, of course, during our lifetimes, uh, paid into the system, that we, we can all get at age 65. So we, we talked about on another segment about the nuances of Medicare. Most of us, uh, that's a very important piece of our financial planning, you know, where you're going to get your health insurance when you're no longer working for an employer. And so Medicare is that uh, health insurance and certain things it covers and certain costs to it, different uh, depending on how much you make and all of that. But there is the other area called Medicaid. Now, Medicaid is the government program, uh, the government uh, public health insurance program for people of low income, uh, individuals with disabilities, and primarily the elderly. And it's funded by the federal government along with states. 
So the difference there, you know, there's Medicare and then there's Medicaid. There's aid on the end of that. So really Medicaid is something for people, from what my understanding is, for people who really need some help, who may not have the resources where they can get health insurance or where they can get health services. Yeah, it's kind of the the safety net. Uh, You know, Medicare is a particular safety net, but you have to be able to afford the premiums on that too, of course. So they have premiums. and But let's say you, you just, you don't have any money. You know, what if something really bad happens? happened or you're disabled and that kind of thing, uh, who's going to take care of you? Well, the government with the Medicaid program uh, would would be uh, stepping in there. Now, both Medicare and Medicaid, uh, you looked this up during break, uh, Jeff, there. Uh, when did you say they started? They were signed into law in 1965, both Medicare and Medicaid. Yeah. So what's interesting is before 1965, we didn't have these. Uh, now, the two biggest budget items of the federal government above everything else, above defense spending and schools and everything else, is Medicare and Medicaid. So these are very important as, um, you know, a lot of your taxes are going towards this and a lot of the money that we're borrowing is being borrowed to, to fund these. And so, you know, how big is the Medicaid program? Uh, well, it covers about one in five Americans. Wow. Yeah, so uh, quite a few people. I'd say it's probably, if I do the math in my head, 35 million people probably. Uh, so it's it's also the principal source of long-term care for Americans. So nearly two-thirds of all nursing home residents in the United States wow. are on Medicaid as opposed to funding it themselves. Uh, so that's often what people have to turn to because, you know, the cost of nursing home is very expensive. And most people don't have, you know, most Americans, frankly, don't have the resources to be able to pay for that. And so Medicaid typically kicks in. Now, Medicare is something that you get automatically when you turn 65. Do you know if it is the same for Medicaid or can you get Medicaid even if you're not 65, it's just based upon a need. Yeah, it's, it's needs-based. And so, like I said, if you're disabled. Uh, but also uh, what's interesting about it is that it covers nearly half of all new births. Wow. And so uh, people that, uh, you know, a lot of children are born into families that don't have very good financial resources. And so Medicaid uh, is what has to kick in because obviously they're not 65. <laughs> no no parents are, you know, having kids that are 65 unless you're a rock star or something like that. I guess that happens from time to time. <laughs> yeah, it does. But, uh, you know, that, uh, like I said, that's, uh, that was kind of a su- surprising stat that I, I pulled out that, that half of, uh, nearly half of all new births, the children's uh, health insurance is through Medicaid. Brian, when I think of Medicare and uh, Medicaid, I mean, some people may think that the quality of care that you receive if you're on Medicaid is going to be not as good as if you're on Medicare. Do you know if that's true or not? Well, you know, I kind of look at this two different ways. I mean, certainly uh, the the law states that it needs to be, you know, similar quality care. But I do know that there's a lot of organizations that maybe don't service Medicaid uh, or sometimes even Medicare um, uh, patients and so forth. Now, one of the other things I, w- I would point out is, okay, by law, it has to be the same, uh, let's say, a nursing home. But I know if I have some money, I can get a nicer nursing home. Mm-hmm. You know, if I pay more, I'm going to get a really nice one. And so uh, there is no 
option for that. You know, if the if the, you can get it, let's say it was uh, seven thousand a month, you can get basic, you know, nursing home or whatever. But I know for twelve thousand, I can be at the Ritz Carlton mm-hmm. of nursing homes if I can afford that. Well, somebody on Medicaid would not be able to get into that same nursing home. So, you know, it's it's yeah by by rule, it's supposed to be similar quality care. But certainly, uh, if you have money, you can get better than you can off of Medicaid. So it's sort of like a room at the hotel. I mean, you can have double occupancy, maybe, and, uh, you know, share the room with somebody if you've got Medicaid, and probably the same with Medicare. It just doesn't pay as much. Or you can foot the bill and you can get a private room. Is that the way it works? Well, the thing about Medicare is Medicare doesn't cover uh, nursing home 100 days, I think it is. That's all it is, 100 days. Yeah. And Semi-private so, room. Yeah. And so uh, now, so it really the choice is either you self-fund it after the 100 days or uh, the government funds it through Medicaid. Now, now I would say, well, I'd rather have the government pay the bill. I want to leave money to my kids. Can I do that? Well, it depends. I mean, uh, we said it's for, for need. Now, there are, there are certain rules about how many assets you can have and still be on Medicaid. Now, they're going to make you spend most of your assets down. I mean, you're not going to be able to sit there with a big uh, stock market account and a Mm -hmm. bunch of money in the bank. Uh, They're going to make sure you spend down to all but $2,000 in cash. Now, the weird thing is, though, you may be able to keep equity in a house. Right. So I've seen where you can keep up to 600000 equity in your house under certain circumstances. So there is, uh, you know, you can keep that in your house, but, but only if you or your spouse will be living in it. And so if you're single and you, you know, that may be different than if you have a spouse that's, that doesn't need a nursing home and is living in the house, uh, they're not going to be forced to sell that house to pay your bill. Uh, but uh, and you can keep maybe a car and household right, right. items too, and that that kind of thing. There's income limits to that. Uh, so there's it, there's a lot of nuances to this. So if you you know maybe you're listening to this and you're you're thinking, well, that that might be my backup plan if if I don't have the assets and need long term care, or more likely if you're listening to this show, maybe that's not a concern of yours, but it might be a concern of people in your life that are going to be turning to you for advice and and just kind of having some basic understanding of of Medicaid may be helpful. We're talking about Medicaid with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Brian, is Medicaid something that the individual person out there listening can uh, take advantage of or do many times you need an attorney? How does it work? Yeah, so one of the things I would suggest is let's say that uh, I've, I've had this happen a lot where maybe somebody has uh, fairly significant assets and they wanted to leave legacy assets to their kids, but one or the other of the spouses is getting dementia. Mm-hmm. And so now, or, or they're worried about that happening, or they're worried about nursing home eating up all the assets and having nothing left for the kids or nothing left for the spouse that doesn't have that, for, for that matter. And so there are some some techniques out there to protect your assets if you think that's going to be the case. So I would recommend that if this is even a concern of yours, to speak to an elder law attorney or an estate attorney that can tell you the rules around that. There's things called, so for instance, let's say that the assets were, were split out and gifted from one spouse to the other. You can't just do that and then the next day apply for Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's something called a clawback rule so that if money was in your accounts and, and you gifted them, 
them, there has to be a period of time that goes by. Otherwise, they're going to be included as an asset for Medicaid purposes, and, and the government's going to want to get that money back if it's spending it on your care. So, again, planning needs to be done well ahead of time. You just can't wait until, oh, gee, I, I've got this dilemma, and I, I want to have my cake and eat it too. You know, one of us needs uh, long-term care. But I don't want to lose any of my assets. Um, I think I'll just give them away and and then apply. That that's just not how it works. So there is a way to uh, figuratively save the family farm from uh, Medicaid or you know Medicaid taking it if you have the proper plan in place. And as you said, if you plan ahead for this sort of thing too, you can't just you know do it one day and then you know sign up for Medicaid the next day. So it's very important to uh, if you think you're ever going to be in that situation to plan ahead. But Brian, planning ahead for a health event seems like it's a difficult thing to do. Exactly. Uh, You know, the financial planning is an art, not a science. I mean, I got to, when we're putting together a financial plan for someone, a legacy plan, uh, looking at all of that, uh, we don't know what's going to happen, you know, because this this gets really easy if you tell me, you know, how long you're going to live, you know, what day you're going to pass away, what your health is going to be like, what's the rate of return going to be like in the future. You know, we don't know any of this stuff. That's why we have things like, like long-term care insurance. That's why we do things like life insurance. That's why we do uh, asset allocation. That's why we have uh, wills and, and living trusts set up with trust provisions in them to uh, manage things when, when we're unable to. So financial planning involves a degree of of risk assessment and risk avoidance uh, to interject some of these things I just mentioned there that because we don't know what's going to happen. Because a lot of people can be, well, why don't you just put all your money in the market? And, you know, well, you know, that's, that's just one aspect of financial planning. That didn't, you didn't talk about what if something happens to the market? What if something happens to me? What if something happens to my spouse or both of us? What about uh, how are our kids going to be if, if they're burdened with, with parents that, that need help and, and didn't have their finances in order or, or did have their finances in order and, and die without a will or living trust? And, and your poor kids got to figure all this stuff out. <laughs> Good luck with that. So, uh, you know, all, all I'm really talking about in this, I'm, we're not getting a lot of details about Medicaid. Uh, hopefully I have a, just a general understanding that maybe you picked up a nugget or two during this segment that you didn't know before. But really what I'm getting back to is planning, planning ahead for things and and making sure you've you've done your best uh, at all points in your life to protect yourself, your your spouse and your heirs from some of the things that could go go wrong. And I think the takeaways from this conversation, certainly that you've got to have a plan. You need to do some planning, but also unexpected things can happen, too. And there is a safety net. It is called Medicaid. We've been talking about Medicaid with Brian Evans of Drona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. We did talk about the plan and review. If you have $500,000 or more to invest and you would like a financial review, a complimentary financial review, call 844-MADRONA for yours. 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. Or you can request it online at madronafinancial.com. Brian, we're out of time for this week. Thank you so much for your time. I want to thank our listeners for joining us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Thanks for listening to Growing Your Wealth. Get out there. Have a great day, won't you? We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. 
No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation or diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes.